And God uses uh, all things, even an Ebola crisis, for His purposes and for His story. And we realized that from the very beginning. This was not just about SIM or Ebola. This was really about God's story. Chris Johnson, the president of the mission agency SIM, is today's guest on First Person. Welcome, everyone. I'm Wayne Shepherd. SIM has been at the forefront of the Ebola crisis, and we'll hear about it when we talk with Bruce in just a few moments. These conversations take place each week at this time, and you'll find more about us at firstpersoninterview.com and on facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Check out the audio archive and the schedule of upcoming guests on the website and see the comments of listeners and leave your own at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. SIM was one of the early pioneering missions for the purpose of training, equipping, and now assisting the sending of indigenous missionaries to their home countries and beyond. Very active in Liberia, SIM found itself in the news on the front lines as the Ebola crisis grew in that country. Dr. Jerry Brown of SIM was named Person of the Year as Time Magazine honored the Ebola fighters. Through these circumstances and many others, SIM continues to adapt missions to a changing world. Well, Bruce Johnson is the president of SIM USA and joins me today to talk about his own story and the work of the mission. SIM is actually a global mission. I think people that are aware of SIM uh, from its history know SIM as Sudan Interior Mission, which we were when we were founded and for many years, actually many decades. But now SIM is beyond Africa. We're actually in Asia, South America, uh, actually in more than 70 countries of the world. So it's very much a global ministry now. And SIM, is it still an acronym or is it just simply SIM now? Well, as many companies, it started as uh, meaning, you know, in our case, Sudan Interior Mission. But because we're global now, uh, we're known globally as SIM. And in some places, SIM uh, stands for Serving in Mission. I see. Okay. And you have three pillars that the organization is organized around, uh, respond to need, proclaim the gospel, and equip the church. Those are the things you build on, aren't they? It is, because uh, SIM is doing ministry in a lot of different areas, uh, education, church planting, medicine, uh, meeting needs in many different ways, and helping to build the church. But all three of those aspects are actually woven into the ministries of SIM, because it it may be initially responding to a need, but that's really a, a platform uh, to be able to share the gospel, proclaim the gospel. And then as people respond to the gospel, come to saving faith, then it's an opportunity to disciple them, equip the church, and, uh, and turn the church over to the local believers so that they uh, really are leading and discipling on their own and become a mission-sending church. Mm-hmm. Well, no one wanted to see Ebola come to the forefront, but it has, and and I would imagine those pillars have uh, all proven true in this Ebola crisis, haven't they? Uh, You don't plan for an Ebola crisis of this magnitude, but yet in the history of SIM, uh, we have had uh, crises similar to this. Actually, in Liberia, uh, SIM has been there since the mid-50s, and so we've actually gone through several civil wars. Uh, Our uh, missionaries have been evacuated several times from Liberia. But as we said, even with this Ebola crisis, 
uh, well, our people needed to leave uh, for a period of time. Uh, we were not leaving. We were actually regrouping, and so we've been sending people back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where they're continuing to serve, both expatriates or people from the United States, but also our Liberian brothers and sisters who are part of our SIM ministry there. Yeah, I know that uh, God has placed you right on the front lines of this Ebola crisis. Uh, it wasn't something you uh, you necessarily welcomed, but there you were and you responded to the need. Uh, you've had some, some of your key staff who became uh, national headlines here. Yeah, I was just talking with Nancy Wrightbull uh, earlier this week. Nancy was one of the two first Ebola patients brought into the United States along with Kent Brantley. And uh, I said, Nancy, if someone would have said eight, nine months ago, you're actually going to be not only on the local or national news, but international, and God will use this uh, to allow you to tell his story around the world, we would have thought, that's a ridiculous statement. But yet God knows, and God uses uh, all things, even an Ebola crisis, for his purposes and for his story. And we realized that from the very beginning, this was not just about SIM or Ebola. This was really about God's story mm-hmm. and how he wanted to uh, use this as a means of conveying his story. What's happening with Nancy today? How is she doing? You know, she's doing very well. Um, she's actually part of a continued study of what are the longer-term effects of Ebola, but she's recovered. Uh, she uh, is gaining uh, almost all of her strength back now, and so we're very grateful. Uh, but uh, she's doing very well traveling uh, here in the United States as well as globally to be able to tell uh, the Lord's story. Um, she will be in Dallas in just a few weeks and then up to Wisconsin and then uh, sharing that back in the U.S. as well as uh, through the media that uh, they want to continue to track with her and see uh, both how is she doing, but also uh, how is the mission doing, mm-hmm. you know, in its work against mm-hmm. Ebola. Well, SIM has been calling the church to prayer and to action on this crisis, and this is just one area where you minister. I understand that. But tell me about the Time article and uh, person of the year that uh, turned out to be 2014. Well, uh, we learned about it uh, just a day or two before that, that Time magazine had chosen the Ebola fighters to be their person of the year, which was a, a wonderful honor and I think an appropriate honor, um, you know, with the last half of 2014, really with Ebola being one of the major headlines. And really the, the courage uh, of the Ebola fighters, I think that was one of the main questions Nancy uh, was asked and that I was asked about our missionaries, and that was, what would... Um, motivate them, or why would they go into and even stay within a dangerous situation? What motivates them? And uh, that was a wonderful opportunity to be able to to share with them uh, the call to serve like Jesus served. Jesus saw the people's needs. He didn't ignore them. He walked into those needs, responded to them, and uh, in the context of that, proclaimed the gospel. And we have that same calling. Bruce, what is the plan now at this point? I I know that you have some long-range plans to address Ebola. Can you share what some of those are? 
Well, uh, the news has been coming out that Ebola has uh, really been waning, particularly in Liberia. The cases are very few now. Uh, Sierra Leone and Guinea uh, still have cases, as does Liberia. And uh, and so now uh, our thrust is in two areas. One, continue to help educate the people about Ebola so that it doesn't flare up again. Uh, secondly, we're having a ministry actually to Ebola survivors in Liberia. Uh, Nancy experienced this a little bit in the U.S., but even being a survivor, people are like, is it okay to shake your hand? And it's the same way in Liberia. Okay, you're an Ebola survivor, but are you safe? And Ebola survivors in Liberia are finding that um, no one's there really to care for them through the psychological effects of having Ebola, through some of the longer-term effects or the effects that they're having uh, as an Ebola uh, survivor. Uh, some of them are experiencing some difficulty with their vision, uh, and uh, other um, uh, results from the Ebola. And so we've, we've actually launched a, an Ebola survivor's uh, care and inviting Ebola survivors to our uh, campus there in Monrovia to be able to minister to them, to listen to them, to walk with them. I mean, many of them have also lost family members to Ebola, and they've survived. You can imagine the psychological and emotional trauma that that would take on them. And again, it's an opportunity to respond to those needs and be able to sit with them and share with them Christ. Can I ask you, what has the SIM family and all those who support SIM, what have you learned about prayer at a time like this crisis? You know, Wayne, one of the things about SIM is our motto is actually by prayer. And that motto, I I say it's more than a motto, it's actually our practice. That it's a reminder to us and a call to us that our ministry really is in the Lord's hands. We want the Lord to enable the ministry. And so by prayer and and calling the, the global church to pray, as we did in October, really grew out of our practice of really covering our ministry and our work and the future work in the Lord's hands. And, um, you know, uh, that kind of takes me to the point of um, now we're seeing a major decline in Ebola. And I just read this week, Wayne, where um, a major publication said, actually, the decline in Ebola came before a lot of the Ebola care centers were set up and before the international community, um, while they made commitments, there wasn't a difference on the ground, and yet we were seeing this decline in Ebola. And they couldn't really kind of pinpoint, so how did that happen? And Nancy Wrightbull and I were talking about it, and uh, we both concluded this, God is sovereign over all things. And he uses many different means to accomplish his purposes and even to bring a decline and ultimately we're praying an eradication of Ebola, that he can use many different things. But I think one of the things he really used was the prayers of his people, praying that Ebola would be stopped. 
And uh, yes, there were care centers. There was information. Uh, the church in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Guinea responded to help educate their, their people. But I also think God significantly used prayer of his people around the world to see this decline. And we pray now a stop to Ebola. Bruce Johnson is our guest on First Person today. We'll continue this conversation about the mission work of SIM in just a moment. First Person is produced with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC is actively proclaiming the gospel through radio and new media in over 100 languages in nearly 50 countries. Please visit the website febc.org. Ask about the devotional, How Shall They Hear? Combining scripture with powerful stories of changed lives through the broadcast of FEBC. Once again, online at febc.org. My guest today on First Person is Bruce Johnson, who is president of SIM, great mission organization. And Bruce, we've been talking primarily about the Ebola crisis and our prayers continue uh, for you and the team and all those working to really help the victims and survivors of Ebola and prevention of the Ebola uh, virus from uh, wreaking havoc there uh, in Africa. But I also want to talk about you and SIM. So tell me your own story. How did how did you come to be involved with SIM in the first place? Well, thank you. I've uh, been president of SIM USA for six years now. And before that, I uh, was interim president of several ministries. Uh, and then also, um, just before SIM, was the field director for a, um, a ministry across Asia, Asian Access. Hmm. But it really actually dates back to uh, my youth. Uh, I'll tell a little personal story here, yeah. uh, Wayne. Um, this past Monday, I got a note and a photograph and it was from a person, Alan Peterson. And when I read the note, I actually uh, uh, just choked up because Alan Peterson was a missionary that my parents would regularly have come and visit about every three to four years when they were on home assignment. And it was at an early age, growing up in a Christian home, and my parents having a love for the world and having missionaries in our home and, and at our church, that God began to plant the seed of being engaged in mission. That remarkable. At that er- yeah, and here I got a note from him that said, Bruce, thank you for God, how God has been using you through this Ebola crisis and how you've been representing him, and we continue to pray for you and your father and your sister. <laughs> and I just went, wow, Lord, thank you for that reminder that... Through that planting of a seed, when I was just a you know in grade school, God uh, has seen that seed through His providence uh, grow and develop, and and uh, it was a good reminder that it is all in God's hand. Yeah, that's a great story. Let's talk about SIM. Uh, what is God doing globally with SIM? I, you know, the Ebola crisis is an important part of the work, but it's only one part. Well, it's interesting uh, how SIM has really continued to transform ourselves and innovate uh, over the decades. SIM now is 121 years old since our founding on the west coast of Africa, current-day Nigeria. But the leaders of SIM have continued to watch and see what is God doing. 
And one of the things about uh, 25, 30 years ago is our leaders saw that God was raising up a mission force out of the growing church in Africa, South America, and Asia. And so they began to, uh, way, way back then, adjust SIM to really become capable of helping the church in what's called the global south, Africa, Asia, South America, help the church in the global south go into missions and that SIM would help them go into missions. And as a result, today, SIM is actually has missionaries and workers from over 65 countries of the world serving with SIM in over 70 countries of the world. So we're very much a multicultural mission. While I'm an American citizen and half the mission of SIM is American citizens, the other half is from over 65 countries of the world. And I think that really is a good reflection, actually, of the body of Christ. Amen. That we are made up of people from many different nations praising the Lord and serving Him. Give me a little insight here, Bruce. As president, as a leader, when you um, inspire the troops, so to speak, when you stand before them and challenge them and lay out a vision uh, before them, what do you say to them? Well, just this uh, week, uh, I had a gathering, both of our staff as well as uh, people here in the Charlotte area that were interested in being mission engaged. And I shared with them this astounding fact. 86% of non-Christians in the world do not have a relationship with a Christian. Let me say it again. 86% of non-believers, non-Christians in the world do not have a relationship with a Christian. Well, why go? Why go across the street? Why go to the person that you're working with that may be from another culture or they may just be non-Christians? So there's 86% that don't have a relationship with a person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And I said, that's why we're engaged in mission. That's why, after 121 years, SIM continues to be engaged in mission. Uh, The other fact is 75% of the unreached peoples are in actually 10 countries of the world. Well, two of those countries are Japan, where SIM is serving, and another country is Nigeria, where we've been for 120 years. And yet, the population of Nigeria continues to grow. The church that has grown out of SIM is now some 7 million people. They're sending more Nigerian missionaries to Nigeria and other parts of Africa and the world than SIM is sending right now, which we rejoice in. But there's still people who have not heard that Jesus has eternal life for them, and 86% of the population doesn't know someone that can convey that to them in words and in deeds. Astounding. You touched on something there I wanted to ask you about, and that is the changing role of the missionary. Are you seeing more nationals being involved now and other countries, uh, churches in other countries beginning, as you said a moment ago, to send missionaries? You know, there's really a growing uh, movement of Christian workers, missionaries, from the global south of Africa, Asia, and South America. For instance, um, one of the top five sending countries in the world of uh, missionaries is Korea. Mm-hmm. So South Korea has really grown 
both in in the church there, but as a mission sending church. So that uh, I think it's uh, within the next couple of decades, Korea may be actually the number one sending country of missionaries to the world that might exceed uh, the U.S. Right now, the U.S. continues to be uh, sending the most people, but there's this emerging of missionaries and mission-engaged people from um, Asia, Africa, South America. And we're encouraging that. The Luzon movement is encouraging that. Other Christian ministries are encouraging our brothers and sisters from um, Asia, Africa, South America. How can we help them go? Because you might have uh, heard the saying, Wayne, the new reality is that people from everywhere are going to everywhere to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, people from other countries are perhaps better equipped to reach the Muslim world than even we as Americans are. That's so true. I met a Nigerian pastor here in the United States from Nigeria to the U.S. to particularly help reach Nigerians, but also multi-ethnic groups that are here in the U.S. And uh, he's better equipped to do that in the U.S., than what you and I might be as Caucasians. I think it's a wonderful example of uh, God's people going uh, throughout the world, even in the United States. Canada is one of the most multi-ethnic countries in the world. And SIM, uh, we see that we might actually be sending more missionaries to Canada in the coming years than Canada is sending you know, to the world, because the world is now in Canada. Bruce, how can we pray for you personally? Well, thank you. I think uh, personally for Bruce Johnson, just uh, continued wisdom. Uh, There's a sense of great stewardship that I have um, for leading SIM USA into the world. Uh, Being that the mission is now 121 years old, I quickly realized this this is not about me. It's about God's continued story uh, in the ministry of SIM and for his purposes, he's asked me to be a steward of his during this period of time. I need continued wisdom in being that steward, continued faith to say, Lord, what do you want to do through the ministry of SIM, and how can I help uh, communicate that and lead that for your purposes? And then just um, uh, for me personally, the continued strength um, you know, the intensity of ministry is really the intensity of life. It, it uh, can t- be taxing physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and that God would really just continue to lift me up as he has even through this Ebola crisis and that we've seen his hand upon the ministry and upon me personally. Well, to learn more about the mission agency SIM in today's world, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. We'll place links to SIM's work in many countries, and you can view the latest news. That's firstpersoninterview.com. Also, at our website, you'll be able to listen to any past program through our online audio archive and view the schedule of upcoming programs and guests when you click on the schedule. And to follow up on today's program with a comment or just to read the comments of other listeners, please view our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. There are also additional bits of news and information about us there at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. As always, we're thankful for the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company who make First Person possible. 
Learn more about FEBC and its ministry in nearly 50 countries when you follow the links at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, our guest will be Christian broadcaster Rudy Veens. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll see you next time for First Person. First Person.